The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. A longtime friend of uh, our work, both with the Great Canadian Talk Show and with City Circus on Shaw TV, of which he was a, a great fan, is Councillor Brian Mays of St. Vital. And Brian joins us now for a bit of a year-end review. How are you, Brian? I'm well. I'm well. Trying to, trying to unwind a bit, but uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you taking some time over the course of the Christmas holidays to join us. Uh, I want to start firstly by asking, uh, over the course of the last year, the calendar year 2023, maybe you can give us a brief recap of how things are going in your ward. I think in the ward things are going uh, pretty well. I mean, it's, uh, it's the irony of when I started this, all of the provincial reps overlapping me were all NDPers, then it almost then it entirely changed. Now it entirely changed back, so... Four wards, four provincial ridings overlapping, so that's been a big change over the past year. But uh, you know, there's always some projects you want to get in the budget, and we've been we've been having infighting over the budget over the past uh, couple of weeks. But, mm-hmm. uh, no, things are things. I got out, did some door knocking, and uh, yeah, things. I think things are going well. Uh, I just want to note more so for my audience and for Councillor Mays that. Uh, uh, we had put in a request for an interview with uh, Councillor Lukes, and she, her office, cited the budget deliberations as being so time-consuming that she wouldn't be able to be available for uh, an interview with the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, but we'll be getting a hold of her in the new year. In the meantime, Brian, uh, I'm wondering also uh, if you can reflect on this past year, the first full year uh, under the leadership of Scott Gillingham, and, uh, you know, Councillor Wyatt on our podcast, he's been critical, very critical, that uh, there needs to be a culture change at City Hall. A lot of things that go wrong are because of just some really strange ideas and oddball implementations. And I'm just wondering uh, your overall impression of the first year of Scott Gillingham as the leader of our city. I think, I mean, sort of, if you'd asked me at different points during the year, I might have answered that differently. But um, I've had a good few weeks with the mayor's office and with the mayor, so I'm probably in a more uh, upbeat uh, state than after the uh, federal housing money uh, period. But we'll come back to that. Yes, we will. <laughs> yeah, I think Scott's, a, I mean, the obvious, very honest man, very decent man, eight years as a counselor, so kind of knows how things work at City Hall. So I think, I think there, I think some momentum's happening now, you know, the security, the transit security stuff's finally rolling, the, the sort of SWAT team, I'm sure that's not the acronym they want, but the, you know, the, the team to do sort of community cleanup, that stuff seems to be rolling. So I think they're kind of getting some momentum. Um, you know, we kind of, frankly, the month of September was largely uh, twiddling thumbs waiting for the results of the provincial election. Yeah. It's all clean through now. So, yeah, I mean, Scott, around the house, I've been saying to people, I actually got in a shouting match with him behind closed doors during the, the housing stuff, which is hard to do because he's an extremely level-headed yeah. man. Yeah. Tom. So I, I thought, boy, that's, that doesn't look good on me, I suppose, and, and perhaps not good on him, but we sorted it out. We talked uh, since then, so... Um, I think that I think some momentum has been regained, and you know, announcements. Things are now starting to actually happen, rather than just sort of we got a plan for something. It's things are starting to happen. 
Well, I, you know, as a as a critic of City Hall, not specifically of Scott Gillingham, he's kind, he is kind of notorious for a lot of his planning involves meetings and committees and such things. A lot of a lot of talking and not necessarily a lot of doing has been the reputation in the past, and uh, we continue to keep an eye on that. Consultation is a good thing, but sometimes it's. Uh, sometimes it isn't really fulfilled in the way you'd expect, which we'll also get to in the course of this interview. I want to go back to what you mentioned, the federal, what, uh, what I, again, uh, being very critical on this program and, and very supportive of the comments you made about this uh, Justin Trudeau bribe money to try to whipsaw municipalities into wholesale changes of zoning regulations. And, and on the podcast, I've itemized specific concerns that I have that are, were reflected by yourself. Uh, about the possibility of, you know, holus bolus, uh, four-story buildings going up uh, all over the place uh, in this uh, in this great cause of densification and streets that have got um, a lot of trees, a lot of single-family homes that they're going to get, tar- in my opinion, could get targeted for development and w- would then become really, you know, unsuitable to, you know, good if you want to live in the Kremlin maybe, but not really suited to the kind of lifestyle that Winnipeggers are, are, are used to. And I just wanted to draw you in on that part of a, of a conversation with regards to it, the city voting 13 to 3 in favor, although I noted that Windsor, Ontario voted 7 to 2 against accepting uh, the terms and conditions the feds were attaching to these millions and millions of dollars. Well, it was the classic kind of debate where people use, well, change is hard as a bludgeon to just justify whatever they're, you know, espousing. Yeah, that's a pretty hollow, shallow, you know, argument, but... I mean, it was interesting, the three opposed were the three words that had a lot of the lot splitting stuff that has been that very clumsily and a lot of, a lot of, uh, ignoring of the neighbors and, you know, with the complaints pour in to yeah. one office, to one of goes office to Dobson's office and they, the planning staff say, well, we don't get those calls. Well, yeah, I know, I get those calls. Well, why, first of all, how do they get those calls when you they don't happen? How do they get those calls when you'd have to go through 311 number one? Yeah, well, exactly. So, so there are a bunch of liars. I, and you can't say these things. I can. Uh, and and number two, they've got an agenda. They don't. They they don't work for the public. They work for their own ideology. In many cases, inside City Hall has been a problem for many years, even predating uh, Brian Bowman. Uh, with regards to the lot splitting, uh, this has caused, for instance, problems with drainage, access, and egress. Whether the back lanes were equipped to be able to take the extra uh, the extra traffic load. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and you very much sounded the alarm on that, but Mayor Gillingham sloughed it off, and in the end, it got shortchanged $70 million by Justin Trudeau. Yeah, I think we got out negotiated, and, and uh, some people don't like me saying that, but it's true. We made all these changes and got 122, not 192, and there were certainly that number was pretty well known early on. So there was some PR that came out about we need to secure, not from the mayor's office, but people saying, we need to secure that 192. And, it, you're, and they're going, you know it's not that. So you're just you're just trying to make it look like a whole lot more is at stake than really. Yeah. Case. It's still a big number. But I mean, the real, there's a loss of democracy here. And people should be open about that. People came in delegation saying, you got to do this. And I'm saying, okay, well, in the future, you, you know, if, if there's still a forest debate, are those people all NIMBYs opposing that? Because that's the way you're making this sound. So, you know, the the perversity of people coming and speaking in delegation to say we should have fewer public hearings is, is kind of... You know, it's bizarre. There will be a loss of democracy here. That is inarguable. Can, can I give you... Can I give you one example, just run one example I've used on the podcast with regards to the possible consequences of this uh, wholesale 
change to zoning regulations and zoning procedures and eliminating the ability of a community to speak out on its own behalf. Um, you're familiar, of course, with Dollard Boulevard, the street that runs into the front door of the St. Boniface Hospital, runs parallel to, Ta- to Marion and Tashi. There's a few apartment buildings. A couple of them are lower-end housing. A lot of uh, long-standing residents. One guy at the end of the street actually has been... To, I, I talked to them early on in my bike lane ex- exploration, and I think he had been born in the house even. And he's That guy was like 86 or 87 years old. Um, my concern is streets like Dollard Boulevard, you, you could have an elimination of, of the character of the neighborhood, and because it's uh, deemed so close to, uh, to a transit corridor, you could end up with four-story buildings all the way down the corridor, creating a, a, like a tunnel, in essence, uh, blocking out sunlight, etc., all the way down to the front of the St. Boniface Hospital, basically. Uh, and, and I'm just wondering if, if that's the, the picture I have in my mind. Am I wrong when I say that that could end up being the result of, of these changes demanded by the Trudeau government? Well, I don't have the map right in front of me, and the only person to put up the map was me. And then we were told, oh, no, that was just for counter. Well, believe me, it's, it's within 800 meters. <laughs> Dollars within 800 meters. Yeah. It's a three-minute walk. Yeah, like, that's that's the risk. And there was a surreal moment where the city put out an FAQ thing saying, does this mean there could be fourplexes everywhere? Answer, no. And it's like, clearly that's the exact federal wording. You're, any reading of the English language would have you say yes. That That is what this means. So the city is, there was a good faith effort, I think, by the mayor's office to try and put some limits on it. But to say... Yeah, we'll have to work out a minimum lot size. It's different than saying what the minimum lot size is. Yes. Put in, it's got to be 50 or 55. Well, I would have been closer to voting for the thing, but mm-hmm. no specificity. And, and now you'll have the infighting of various councillors who voted for it, trying to shape the things so none of it affects. Right, so the carve-outs. And you brought up one thing in the council meeting that, that I found fascinating about how do you measure the 800 meters? And that is it by the crow flies or is it actual walking distance? And you said that there's a possibility you could have neighborhoods that will not want crosswalks or, or certain infrastructure built that would create a ease of access, say, across Fermor. So they'd have to walk the long way and therefore, by calculation, it's more than 800 meters and they won't get slammed with the four, four dwellings on a single lot, et cetera, et cetera. You could have a lot of gaming of the system because uh, of this rush to claim federal money. Yeah, like Niagara Park is showing up as, I mean, there's only one way out of Niagara Park by a car, but you're, you're, you know, it's just like, if you, it's pretty close to Fermore by foot, so is that you know, what measure do we use? Or, you know, there's, there's streets back-to-back in my work, Crofton and Cabot, and there's a walkway between, so this was my example of maybe I should just, you know, should we have appealed to have that shut down? Because that'll, that'll salvage a few more properties on Cabot being more than 800. So, yeah, this is, this is going to be uh, unintended consequences. Lots of people trying to gain things. You know, you could you could see people trying to move the bus routes uh, half a block either way. This kind of stuff, and, mm-hmm. and there's some odd stuff in River Park, so that should be included. It isn't. I'm still puzzled by the map. But again, no official map ever came out, which I thought was poor. No, one thing about the map. Vote, but if I if I can, Brian, one thing about the map. Uh, you mentioned in the course of your arguments. Uh, against uh, Winnipeg uh, d- uh, jumping in with both feet to this uh, was that the the federal um, definitions or their parameters that it uh, technically you I, if I I think I got this right 
that this would have actually excluded the Parker lands, Fulton Grove development from... Can you explain that? Because Andrew Marquez, uh, who uh, we interviewed in that uh, interview was uh, launched on Christmas Day. Uh, Andrew, when I interviewed him, he was not familiar with, with that and and uh, found it kind of curious. Can you just take a minute to explain? I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I was wearing my head off uh, about this because it was... Here's the map. And so I thought, okay, the map is going to go public. Of what do we define as 800 meters walking distance to frequent transit corridors? So lots of variables in there, right? But then I point out in the meeting, hey, why isn't Parker Lands on here? We actually built a $600 million rapid transit corridor for this express purpose. So that's the one. Oh, well, there are no roads yet. It's all based on the existing road grid. And you go, so, I mean... Maybe it was a bit of a red herring. Maybe it will, when we finally build roads in there, it'll be on. But clumsy oversight like that where you go, my God, this is the one neighborhood we that's near a purpose-built rapid transit line. It's not in, whereas the, you know, things that, I, I really don't think being within an 800-meter walk of a bus that runs every 20 minutes is the same as being near a subway or a light. It's nowhere, it's... Thing it is. Nowhere close. The information you need but can't find anywhere else. A lot of you-know-what would hit the fan if at any point anything were to come out from this. But we have that information. The tradition of investigative journalism for Winnipeg restored. You will not believe the latest kind of garbage being crammed on a curriculum that has nothing to do with reading, writing, arithmetic. Actionline.ca This is the priority at City Hall. Like prostitutes. There's money being waved around. We better go do whatever it is so we can get the money. Now, whether it makes sense doesn't matter. Featuring the great Canadian talk show. Where do the people go to be heard? With Marty Gold. The Great Canadian Talk Show is brought to you by The Hive Hair Company. From classic to funky, the styles of your life are at The Hive. In the heart of the Osborne Village at 175 Osborne. Call 452-4483 or online thehivehaircompany.com. Is your business plagued by thefts and break-ins? Is your residential property under siege by out-of-control crime and vandalism? You need effective safety measures to protect your property. Jamrock Security can help you today. We have the expertise to deliver the right solutions and get your security problems under control. Call 204-880-1564 or contact our website, jamrocksecurity.ca. Do security. Do it smart. Jamrock Security. We've got a lot more with our uh, interview with City Councilor Brian Mays. Uh, and uh, beyond talking about uh, housing and those kinds of things... I uh, swung over to a, a hot topic that certainly got a lot of attention, especially our uh, report on actionline.ca, the pictures of, of what's happened on Goulet with the uh, reconstruction of uh, the reduction to two lanes and a uh, construction of a bike lane that nobody seemingly asked for or really approved of, uh, as, uh, as well as uh, a broader concept, which is at what point the city councillors uh, look at what's going on in a particular ward and say, not so fast, especially when it comes to truck routes. I put the question to Brian Mays. Here's that part of our discussion right now. It'll run all the way through to the uh, conclusion of the interview with Brian Mays. Speaking of things that are clumsy, 
clumsy implementation that makes no sense. Brian, I, I'm not specifically familiar, but my uh, my recollection is that in your ward, you don't have any specific dedicated bike lane infrastructure. I suppose, you know, you have, the, there's a Sharrow up uh, Dakota, but I don't think you've got any bike lanes in your ward. Am I correct? Uh, to, to the credit of my predecessor, Steve, he actually just before he left got in, there's a pretty good bike lane alongside Dunkirk. Uh, and then it kind of, I mean, it's, it's a sidewalk. Oh, right. Wide sidewalk. So that's an AT path, I think, is that what that's called. And one could, and Bishop Grand and Green, whatever we now call Bishop Grand and Green, I think we still, still technically call it Bishop Grand and Greenway is. Yeah. Is, because that's a separate name than a bit of Jim again. Anyway, yeah, I think that, I mean, that's it's probably the most used. Okay. T-Path in the ward. Yeah. So. I, mean, I, I don't do badly. So you don't, have, you are, your ward isn't affected directly by bike lanes, but let me tell you how yourself, certainly Councillor Wyatt, Councillor Schreier, are affected by bike lanes in other parts of the city. Have you traveled down Goulet, uh, coming from, um, off Marion, coming from, you know, Lajamodier or Archibald and going towards downtown in the last little while? Not the last little while, many times, but not in the last little while. Well, let me tell you something. I know that you're a busy man. Things can slip past. You should definitely take a look at both uh, the, our podcast of uh, December 19th, the bike lane uh, plan facing a fight in Winnipeg's West End, where I revealed that city so-called planners think that they should cram bike lanes on a Sargent Avenue. And in that, there's a corollary report about the progress or lack of progress of bike lanes, the effects of them. In other neighborhoods of Winnipeg, we talked about Wolseley, Osborne Village, which is a disaster that the majority of the businesses apparently had no idea was being planned to, uh, to corrupt the, uh, the uh, parking regimen in Osborne Village. I know you're familiar with the work that we've done with regards to the Moving on Marion uh, project, the fact the city did not reveal the 99 spaces were going to be reme- uh, removed. Uh, and Provence, the biz there is opposed. Transcona biz managed to uh, stand up to the city. They're losing no parking spots. But with regards to Goulet, there's also on actionline.ca, there's also an article that we uh, put up that's uh, sort of a companion piece to our bike lane overview. Uh, about the absolute disaster, there's a barricaded bike lane on Goulet. The city spent the summer cons- throttling traffic coming through that truck route. The bike lane is not operational. And when you look at the pictures, Brian, uh, on the action line story, uh, you will see that the lanes are sloped. There's a ridge of tar in between the lanes. It goes all the way down to Traverse, which is the whole scope of the work that was done. And I'm told the entire thing's going to have to be redone. And this is because the city lied at the open house, or the consultants lied at the open house, and said, well, we're not, none of this is going to happen until council votes on it. And that bike lane went in, and council has not voted on it, and has not gotten the feedback that was given at the very limited open house in March by the city consultants. But that uh, structure, that bike lane that isn't operating, the work that was done on those lanes that are now too narrow, no consultation with the trucking industry, as admitted by Councillor Luke's, that is creating gridlock, backup, and is affecting your residents from your ward as well as the residents that are coming from, for instance, Councillor Schreier's ward or from uh, Russ Wise's ward in Transcona. This affecting everybody that this uh, truck route has become dysfunctional. And I wanted to get some comments from you about that. I mean, I'm not up on that really. I mean, and, and to some extent, different councillors promote different things and Councillor Edwards done a lot of are councillors supposed to be promoting the degradation of truck routes? 
No, I mean, I think that's the, when, you know, eight years ago, we were all very concerned about Marion and Archibald and needing to do something there, and then that just seems to completely, um, completely gone by the wayside or been forgotten, so... Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I can certainly follow up on that. I've been. I'm going to be making the same request. I'm glad you said that, Brian. I'm going to be making the same request uh, to Councillor Schreier, uh, who's a fan of this program, and, and Councillor Wyatt, uh, because uh, the residents of St. Boniface have no representation in the area around the hospital. There's no residents association. The biz was completely left out. The biz members completely left out of any discussion about this moving on Marion plan. The consultants were deceptive at the open house. They said, well, some of the work is going to go on as part of the normal. And people were told, well, we'll be redoing the curbs. But they went and installed a bike lane and didn't, from my understanding, didn't even tell the Marion Hotel that would back on the, the Goulet or the Wave Car Wash, didn't tell anybody, we're going ahead with this this summer. Now, Mayor Gillingham was emphatic that he believed in improving consultation. And this project has been the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, you've been good at sort of um, policing some of these different projects that have been going on. And often one gets so busy, you don't know what else is going on elsewhere in the city or, you know, frankly, that I've, I didn't know where some things were when I had a I think I was a bit unclear on where the Arlington Bridge was when I first got elected. I had to get, so just supposed to get in the car. I literally drove me over there several years ago. But it's, I, I got to, my, my, my thinking is evolving a bit on, I don't know, is it the next generation, I, I'm beginning to get a little more accommodating on bike stuff and less on transit because I feel like we're pouring money into transit. I don't know if the next generation really wants to take our transit. Well, nobody wants to take your transit the way it is. And, and I, w- I want to point out, I want to point out, Brian, I, and I'll let you get back to your to what you're saying, but th- this bike lane was installed on Goulet and took away a morning express bus route with no studies conducted about the effect on traffic delays or the effect on hot on the hospital, on emergency services getting to and from the St. Boniface Hospital. It's like bike lanes Uber Alice has really been what the mantra has been inside those the city planning and and for Councillor Allard. But I don't think a city councillor, when the residents have no association, when the hospital isn't consulted, 400 Tache has uh, like hundreds if not a thousand employees and serves 28 patients a thousand patients a year and there's no consultation with anybody on any of this except with the bike lobby yeah i mean i should the city be taking away express bus routes without studying it yeah yeah i mean that's i as i'm not the ward counselor so i don't really know what's been going on there but you're providing an undertaking to find out because it's also, if, listen, residents, you want people to park and ride or whatever. This was done with no provision for a park and ride and taking away rapid bus service in the mornings to get downtown. That, to, to, that makes no sense. And the other thing is these curb bump outs now, instead of being able for traffic to uh, move into the curb lane, the right-hand curb lane, the north curb lane, uh, and, you know, where there, there'll be a no stopping sign for, you know, 30 or 40 feet before the corner and move over and turn right to go park and then go to work or go to their appointments at the hospital for under Tache. Now traffic is piling up because people are waiting to turn right. And nobody was told this was going to happen, especially not the residents in and around Dollard Boulevard. So, again, how come Mayor, you know, 
Mayor Gillingham and you're on council, you guys are all trying to work together. He said that he wants improved consultation. There's been none with regards to the deleterious effects, and that goes against the 2012 uh, Assiniboine bike lane audit. Again, like I'm, uh, I'm not in position to debate any of it. I mean, yeah, I think Gillingham is trying to, we're trying to have more consultation on some stuff, but yeah, you can consult the death is the usual counter argument and well, now, now I'm going to bring you around to the point that I made with Russ Wyatt, Brian, that, uh, that there are seven members of council that voted, and the council vote was unanimous, in favor of the 2012, 2012 Assiniboine Bike Lane Audit that said that consultation had to be with all stakeholders, not just favored parties, that the language used in flyers had to be plain. When people don't come to the open house, it's the city's fault for not communicating things properly. They put out the, the little postcards for that open house in March that did not mention bike lanes, did not say your travel time will be reduced, did not say your ability to turn at intersections will be reduced, made no mention until I asked, why is Traverse a different color? Oh, that's going to be a bike lane too. They didn't even ask Scotiabank about the loss of parking that their customers rely on, that the neighborhood relies on. Neither business on that corner. Now you voted, if I'm remembering correctly, in favor of that bike audit, that bike lane audit in 2012. I was on council in 2012. And, I can't remember. Well, you did because it was a unanimous vote. Will you urge, along with Councillor Wyatt, that all of you who voted in favor of that make sure that the principles that you accepted from that audit be upheld, that there be proper information given to the public, that the language not be obtuse and obscure, and that all stakeholders have a say and that they're listened to. Because what we see now in St. Boniface is the opposite. You guys voted for fairness, and now it's been tossed to the wayside again by the bureaucrats who are paid by the taxpayers. Things are often up to the city hall. That's, that might be the hardest thing to change, but some of that culture. But yeah, no, I, can, I can certainly ask. I can ask Dr. Gouncer White. I mean, again, it, to some extent... It matters who wins elections in each ward, you know, that you should have some say. I don't think, I don't think just because Matt Allard wins an election means that any practices that go on in his ward should not meet the standards that were voted on unanimously and, by council accepting that audit. The difficulty is if you look at St. Mary's Road, for example, that goes, they used to go through four ward chambers, but generally goes from Chambers to Mays to Allard, and you have to blockade if you, you know, this is implicate some of these roads have implications across multiple wards. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can. I, I honestly don't know anything about. But but you concur that the truck route is that the you concur that the maintenance of a truck route that's that 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 the safety on a truck route that bypasses just the ward councilor. That's a concern of all councilors and the mayor. Would you concur with me in that assessment? Yes. Well, then we've made some progress here today, and I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> Councillor Mays, I know it came across as a bit of a browbeating, but you, as you acknowledge, I'm a bit of a policeman on behalf of the public. And really, a lot of councillors rely on the information that I'm able to pull together from different sources. And I appreciate that you fight the good fight. Uh, and uh, similar to Harvey Smith, where uh, there isn't necessarily a political alignment under formal terms, but there's always been city councillors that understand the importance of collaboration, that understand the importance of common sense, and you are a bright, shining beacon of common sense very frequently in debates at city council. Yeah, this debate, the housing, the housing thing, I mean, you, you win some, you lose some, but yeah, it, it, I do worry about the long-term impacts. I mean, you lose some some debate over some funding of uh, a project that's a one-off thing but the, 
who think does have me concerned about what that what that could mean long term. So a guy named Donovan Taze as a consultant had a very good proposal, which was, okay, duplexes everywhere, and we'll go big on major corridors and shopping center parking lots. Yeah. I developed those. I think that would have passed fairly easily, like 16 nothing probably. So it's too bad we, we let the federal government dictate the tune, but now the devil will be in the details, and I'll be calling out people who voted for it and try and make sure their ward isn't affected. Yeah, well, it, it, you just echoed the late Al Golden, the devil is in the details, is the first uh, first guy that ever explained that, the meaning of that to me. And that goes back, oh my God, that goes back to like 34, 35 years. Amazing how he was right about that one. Yeah, it was at Al's memorial, actually. It was good. It was, uh, I think, to the credit of Steve's, who had more to do with him. Mm-hmm. I did, and, and I mean, the quotes in the paper were both saying Al was, very, Al was a good constituents guy. There were issues, under, certainly don't want to, you know, downplay that, but on the on the local, on the ward stuff, Al, Al put the work in, man. Like, Al, Al responded to people. Well, he had that touch, right? He had that Juba touch. And a, a lot of counselors, um, a lot of counselors, you know, they, they, they put themselves above their constituents. And when you, especially when you start arguing, and I would drive up Dame Muron or whatever and see that just this, just this god awful infill and these oversized projects. It's just clear that this was not just mismatched, but injurious, injurious to the neighborhoods, the loss of trees, the, you know, cramming things in. Uh, you know, as I said, you know, the, the Kremlin style planning. And, and, and you were a very clear and persistent voice in opposition to that. And it's clear that some neighborhoods were targeted for this and, and that these neighborhoods have been victimized by this practice and other neighborhoods uh, waltz away scot-free, so to speak. Well, and it's, there's a difference between people saying, and the infield guidelines thing actually was a bit of an attempt to recognize, oh, this hasn't gone completely smoothly. Maybe we should lower the height limit in these infill areas. But we'll do, you know, the... People got involved, and now it's impossible. I would never say to somebody, "Hey, you should get involved," because after the federal thing, we just wiped out two years worth of people sitting on committees. Yeah, that leaves a bad taste. Then the there's a difference between people saying, "Look, we know there've been problems," and people saying, "Oh, the fears are never realized." Like, well, for God's sake, many of the fears were realized in Glenwood. There, there were side effects, and there were some pretty good city planners who said, "Yeah, we know you're right. Like, this is not." been an unalloyed triumph so let's let's get to work here so yeah it's that i think that's why i got so frustrated and so angry people saying you know the fears are never realized yeah they have been so at least like this is orwellian you know let's pretend there were no problems at all so uh, don't be a sore loser orlico would say so you Mm -hmm. uh, who was very good on this debate as well in fact he and i were on the same page throughout so you Try and at least say, well, it's got to be a minimum lot size limit here for sanity's sake. Well, for sanity's sake, exactly. Brian Mays, I look forward to being able to uh, interview you in uh, 2024 and uh, and ensure that uh, that your voice is heard here on, on this program as we're going to continue to focus on uh, now with no elections in the way. For the first time, yeah. for the first time since our comeback, one year was one election, including yours. The next year was the provincial election. This coming year, no elections anticipated. I'll be able to focus uh, on uh, on especially on civics, which is our strong suit and to some extent fe- uh, provincial and federal matters as well. I very much appreciate you taking time during the holidays. One last question: Any more uh, in- progress that you want to um, 
want to relate to the, the audience with regards to pickleball courts, basketball courts, running tracks, or anything in the recreation realm that you have been a champion of at City Hall, bringing forward many projects to fruition? Yeah, I'm working on one more track. I thought I was done, but uh, these are relatively, they're not that expensive, and a lot of people use them, and you only need a pair of running shoes. Yep. Fancy equipment, and uh, there's a certain, you know, there's a sense of community that comes, too. People people use them, so. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I've said to somebody, I don't know how many play structures I've done. I won't be remembered for any of that, but I will remember 20 years from now how many tracks I got done where it's five, and trying to get the six and should be should do one in the West End for sure. That's where we're we're absent. So thank you for asking. I think I uh you know, if I'm somebody said to me, is that why you, how you want to be remembered? Is it actually yes. Well absolutely remembered that way, thank you. I'm, well, that really reflects a strange mindset that people think that that you shouldn't be re- remembered. Listen, I, I'm I'm not a runner per se. I do have to get new runners for 2024. Uh, I was never a track guy, but uh, there's no question that those projects bring benefit and they bring a sense of community. People go running together. They see each other on the paths. Uh, on those paths, they go take their dog for a run or whatever. And, and I, it's, I'm hard pressed to understand how anybody would think that that isn't something that any city councilor would be proud to have brought to the community to enhance the quality of life in their ward and, and for people from even outside the ward that'll come for a visit or come use certain facilities. And uh, so I wanted to give you the chance to uh, just update us and let us know when that uh, hits some progress. We'll make sure to get that news across on the podcast. It was a wonderful moment in one of the budget things behind closed doors where somebody launched into, oh, you care about your own ward before I could raise my hand for what he jumps into. The thing he's fighting for is a river east track. It's in my ward. And now we can. Now we have, they won't have a counter attack. <laughs> well, maybe you'll have to buy Brawati some wings, but limit them to one order. Uh, I, Brian Mays, best of you over, uh, to you and your family uh, over the holiday season. We'll be interviewing you in the new year, and we'll continue to highlight the very good work that you do, not only on behalf of the uh, the residents of St. Vitale, but on behalf of the citizens across the city as you try to fight for some common sense, some logic, some fiscal responsibility and some projects that benefit people the most uh, as well as now your commitment to take a look at what's going on with the bike lane the situation uh, the, as part of the moving on marion project and public consultation those open houses for bike uh, for the bike infrastructure in general it's uh, it's good to know that somebody's willing to take a look and ask some hard questions at city hall that's got a you know has a chair at the table so to speak unlike me who bellows from the outside looking in I, I do. I am. Uh, I'm getting along with the mayor these days, so I should say I'm not. I'm not here to uh, try to bury the mayor in any sense. And uh, I know he's trying. He's a hardworking guy. Very honest, decent man. Would, so. would you would you nudge his office? Would you be not kind enough to nudge his office now that you've done an interview that uh, we had asked for an interview with him and didn't get a response? And he actually owes me one from the election campaign. Maybe you could nudge him. It's not that bad of an experience after all. Thank you, Brian Mays. Good best of wishes for the holiday season, and we'll talk with you in the new year. Back to wrap up this edition of the podcast right after this short break. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at tgcts. You have the power.
I hope you all enjoyed episode 38, our interview with Council Brian Mays. And uh, there's, you know, some news to be had from our interview in terms of his perspectives on the city being out negotiated uh, by the federal government when it came to that, uh, that much vaunted housing money. The devil is in the details in terms of how neighborhoods will or won't be affected, how things will or won't be measured. The fact that Parker lands did not seem to meet the original definition of uh, areas that would be an area that would be um, considered part of the map. I mean, that just, that just shows you the kind of stunned, I can't use the word, you know, just stunned brains that populate City Hall, apparently, and that's why we're here, uh, to interview people like Councillor Mays, people like uh, uh, like other city councillors, uh, Councillor Brawati's uh, due up, Mayor Gillingham, the invitation is still out, of course, invitation still out for uh, Councillor Luke's and uh, there's others. I'm going to try to uh, run the gamut with all the city councillors in the coming year. And uh, that's where I remind you that's because you support this program. You support our work. You support independent coverage of City Hall and of the Manitoba legislature, the kind of analysis, the kind of investigative skills that we bring to the floor, uh, to the uh, to the fore, rather. Uh, and if you go to actualine.ca, you'll see an example of that, the story that we posted on Christmas Day about my dealings of all things with the Manitoba Boxing and Wrestling Commission, which sounds, uh, you may be a little fluffy, but when you're the person trying to figure out how to run a business, make a living, and they start using whiteout to change the rules just for you and you and the other Jewish guy, and when it turns out that they had never changed laws properly but collected fees, excess fees totaling up to $70,000 from uh, Don Britton of uh, CKND at the time, of Global TV, uh, who had the license for AWA Wrestling that was on his TV station, I mean, you just see it. There's, there's a lot of stuff that I had to uncover and, and did so to the point where uh, we discovered that boxers weren't getting proper medical tests by the same commissioner, a total crook, Buck Matioski, and I took some of that information to MTN that had uh, figured out some of it on their own. And then when Mike Beauregard moved from MTN to CBC, lo and behold, uh, worked another story with him, and it turned out that commissioner continued to put, in the case of Byron Prince, bl legally blind boxers in the ring. And so I have I experience with really, you know, I admit, unusual investigations, turning over rocks and finding stuff where you wouldn't expect it, that I cut my teeth on that kind of stuff in the 1980s and the 1990s. What I'm referring to started that battle with the Boxing and Wrestling Commission, started in 89, ended in 90, pretty much 95. And by the time I was done in 1996, guess what? No more wrestling regulation in Manitoba. So I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm passionate about. I have the skills, and it's with your support that I'm able to apply them to the public interest. And whether it's interviewing, as I said, somebody like Councillor Mays, somebody out in the community, whether it's interviewing uh, victims of crime, getting to the bottom of things, getting the information that no other media outlet is interested in bringing you because here we don't follow the narrative. We ask questions that are very tough sometimes and very insightful. And yes, I I admit, sometimes I give city councillors in particular, maybe MLAs too, some grief because they aren't a privileged class. They work for you and I work for you. Now, whereas their salaries are guaranteed, Mine or not brings us back to the subject at hand, the $1,800 fundraising campaign for December just wrapping up. 
take a look in the episode description or go to the donut, uh, the donut, donate page. No donuts, actualine.ca. Go to the donate page and you'll be able to see links to the very top stories we've had of this past year. And there are some doozies, believe me, whether they deal with lifestyle issues, with uh, with your values, the provincial election, city, matters involving City Hall, anti-Semitism in the community. Coverage that is absolutely unmatched. I stack up the work that I did in 2023 against any well-staffed Trudeau-funded newsroom. If you can give us a hand, help us get over the goal. We're, we're getting close to that uh, 1800 goal for December. Not over it as I record it, record, uh, record this, uh, at conclusion episode 38. Help push us over the top, please. I don't really do campaigns like this normally. We aren't set up in really fancy ways, but let's get those bills paid. What's left over from that election campaign, and then I'll figure out how to make a living in 2024. Please give me a hand now. I'm going to continue to fight for you. We will follow up. We'll follow up with Councillor Mays and with Councillor Schreier and with Councillor Wyatt about the, the, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? The the interference with the smooth operation of that truck route that that his uh, that their rather uh, constituents their residents rely on getting to downtown, getting to St Boniface Hospital, other things they want to do in St Boniface. St Boniface literally unrepresented at this stage uh, because when you got a city councilor who doesn't doesn't acknowledge what's going on and how the how the neighborhood is being. Uh, is being subjected to uh, absolutely improper processes. As you heard, the city voted in 2012 to do things a certain way. And then St. Boniface, the cone of silence is dropped over uh, proper consulta- proper public consultation, full public consultation. To this day, there isn't a city councillor who's actually been told by anybody who works for the city that the total parking lot of St. Boniface 99 spots. This the kind of issue, it sounds kind of, you know, Kind of micro, but it's macro because these kinds of things, these kinds of abuses of process, abuses of residents, abuses of small businesses in particular happening all over the city. I'm here to fight for you, especially, especially, especially if you're in St. Boniface or in wards that are affected by what goes on in St. Boniface because you, uh, you know, or if you work in this neighborhood, uh, Things have been going downhill. I'm here to fight for you. I need your help. I need your support. Uh, I need you to uh, just uh, help me make sure that uh, I have at least a, a zero level. <laughs> zero level. I don't want that deficit to carry over from one year to the next. You can give us a hand. Go to the donate page or contact me. We're live at gmail.com. We can make other arrangements. From the bottom of my heart, thank you to all those who have donated, including including a surprise on on Christmas morning, that was a great thing to wake up to. Thank you so much. These donations have ranged from uh, $20, $25. I don't mind telling you, up to uh, more than a couple of hundred. It all adds up. It all means a lot. It keeps me on the case. It keeps me on the beat. It keeps me holding politicians honest, newsrooms honest, bureaucrats honest, and making sure that you've got a fair shake, making sure that somebody's in your corner, making sure that your voice is heard, making sure that those people that are paid by you, making decisions that affect your life, making sure that they always remember and never forget that at the end of the day, you have the power. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com or follow him on Twitter at tgcts. Uh